1: away we go. Episode 589 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, June 7th, 2023. I am still alive. <laughs> I am still with you here. Uh, I'm not necessarily well, but, <laughs> but uh, I am still with you here. Uh, it is nice to be with you. The day after what was, shall we say, Chase Young Day. How could I not be with you for a show to discuss Chase Young Day. Uh, Tuesday was day one of the commander's three-day mandatory minicamp, and we had edge defender Chase Young front and center. Uh, he did a post-practice press conference. He was a major topic during head coach Rod Rivera's pre-practice press conference. And, oh, yeah, NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB, he in a piece that came out on Tuesday afternoon said that the commanders are, quote, open to listening, end quote, to trade offers for Chase Young. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Know this about Albert Breer. He has a good relationship with Rod Rivera. Uh, when Breer has intel on the commanders, we should pay attention because there's a decent chance that uh, the intel is coming from or at least has been confirmed by Ron Uh, Next segment, I will talk Chase Young. Uh, You will hear the entirety of his post-practice press conference. You will hear every key thing that Rod Rivera said about Chase. And I will react to all of this, including, yes, the notion of the commanders trading Chase. Uh, Of course, with the sale of the commanders still not having been finalized, uh, would Rod Rivera even be allowed to trade Chase Young right now? Big day on Wednesday in the sale, by the way. Uh, with our incoming commander's owner, Josh Harris, reportedly meeting with the NFL's finance committee in New York. Uh, so next segment, Chase Young. And then after that, other notable items from Rod Rivera on Tuesday morning, including what he said about the ahem, quarterback competition taking place between Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. Sam, this offseason, has taken every first-team practice rep, and yet Rod insists that a competition is going on. Uh, we'll get into that and more. Uh, also on the show, my thoughts on losses by the Nationals and Orioles on Tuesday night. Uh, boy, is this Nads bullpen bad. A 10-5 loss to the Arizona Diamondbacks at Nationals Park on Tuesday night. Relievers Orosmo Ramirez and Chad Cool combined to allow six runs, five earned in three innings. Uh, the O's lost at the Milwaukee Brewers 4 three in 10 innings. You can tweet me, at Al Galdi, you can email me, the podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, thank you for the well wishes. I uh, got a nice tweet from District Sports Talk. Got a nice email from Rob. Uh, much appreciated. Email from Adub, the mailman, uh, writes Adub, what are your thoughts on HBO's Hard Knocks series, and do you think that the Josh Harris Group may see a marketing advantage with the commanders participating in Hard Knocks this summer? I've never seen the show to have an opinion about it, but I'd certainly make every effort to watch the show if the commanders were on it. Thanks for the great pod. You are the best in the game. (laughs) Uh, That is a notable opinion as I am a letter carrier and consume copious amounts of Commander's content. With each new podcast, I always think I'll be able to anticipate the Poulsen and Nace read, but you always slide them in seamlessly. Love the sound bites, especially the Iron Sheik make him humble and Brucifers were close. You've made mention of your go-go Thursdays from your radio days. It would be awesome if you could work some go-go into the podcast. Having lived just outside of Pensacola, Florida since 2004, my last ties to the DMV are football and go-go. Thanks again. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much for that, A-Dub. That is a great combo, by the way, football and go-go. You can't go wrong uh, with that combo. Yeah, I miss go-go Thursdays a lot. Uh, That was one of my favorite things that I did on radio. So here's the deal with HBO's Hard Knocks. Uh, An NFL team does not have to be on the show if any of the following three realities applies to the team. Uh, The team has a first-year head coach. The team has made the playoffs in either of the previous two seasons. The team has been featured on Hard Knocks within the last 10 years. There are four NFL teams that do not meet any of those three things and thus can be made to do Hard Knocks this summer. The New York Jets, the Chicago Bears, the New Orleans Saints, and yes, the Washington Commanders. Uh, Last year, the announcement for the team that was featured on Hard Knocks in the summer was made in March. Uh, That team was the Detroit Lions. There also, by the way, now is an in-season Hard Knocks. Uh, The Arizona Cardinals were featured in the in-season Hard Knocks of last season. But here we are now in June, and very interestingly, there still has not been an announcement on the Hard Knocks team for this August. Uh, the obvious choice for this year's August Hard Knocks would seem to be the Jets, right, given that they've traded for quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Personally, I think that it would be fascinating to see the commanders on Hard Knocks, but my bet is that uh, our head coach, Rod Rivera, does not want the team on Hard Knocks, and I'm not sure that the Josh Harris group would want the team on Hard Knocks either. It's possible that the Harris group would want the team on Hard Knocks, but You know, the first episode for the August Hard Knocks usually runs like a week or so into August. That would be quite the quick turnaround from the finalizing of the Harris Group's purchase of the team, uh, assuming that that finalizing happens uh, sometime this month or next month. But, you know, what if the finalizing doesn't happen until well into July? Heck, what if the finalizing doesn't happen until August? You know, it could be (laughs) that the commanders would be featured on the August Hard Knocks before the finalizing of the Josh Harris Group's purchase of the team uh, goes down. So my money would be on the Jets being the Hard Knocks team for this August. But, you know, until an announcement is made, the commanders are in play for the August Hard Knocks this year, and the team can't say no, and that's a key aspect to all of this. The team cannot say no. Well, the commanders may not be able to say no to Hard Knocks, uh, but the law firm (laughs) of Paulson and Nace can say yes to you. There you go, A-Dub. Did you anticipate that? (laughs) Uh, If you have been harmed by the negligence of someone else, if someone who you know has been harmed by the negligence of someone else, always know that the law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you and will fight for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. By the way, a big congratulations to Chris Nace, who was recently named the 2023 Barry J. Nace, Trial Lawyer of the Year. uh, This by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, Uh, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers, Uh, if your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged. If you think that you've been wronged, but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. But don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Olsen and Nace. Well, calling an upcoming season for a fourth-year NFL player a make-or-break season uh, might seem a bit overly dramatic, but you very much could argue that the upcoming NFL season is a make-or-break season for Commander's Edge defender Chase Young. Uh, Not that his NFL career might be over if he doesn't have a good 2023 season, but him not having a good 2023 season may well set him on the path to becoming a guy who bounces from team to team, Uh, you know, constantly searching to be what he was in his great 2020 rookie season, but hasn't been since then. Uh, This coming season is a contract season for Chase Young off the commanders this offseason, not exercising the fifth year option in his rookie contract. If he has a great 2023 season, and I hope like heck that he does, uh, then he'll get paid big money, uh, either by the Commanders or some other team. If he has a disappointing 2023 season, then the Commanders likely will be done with Chase, and he, as an unrestricted free agent, will sign with another team, uh, likely via a one-year prove-it contract, and that may well put him on a course to being an NFL journeyman. Uh, It's impossible to have any certainty with Chase Young for this coming season, but he still is talented. Uh, The talent hasn't just, you know, upped and left him. And you would hope that he, for this upcoming season, will be as focused and disciplined and productive as ever. Uh, The story on Tuesday, what was day one of the Commander's three-day mandatory minicamp, was Chase Young. Uh, He, off having not attended the Team 6, wait for it, voluntary, OTA practices of the previous two weeks is attending this mandatory minicamp this week. Uh, Chase on Tuesday afternoon did a post-practice press conference. Uh, Commander's head coach Rod Rivera on Tuesday morning did a pre-practice press conference, during which he spoke a lot about Chase. Now, also on Tuesday was NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB in a piece that came out on Tuesday afternoon saying that the commanders are, quote, open to listening, end quote, To trade offers for Chase Young. Uh, Although Breer, in a tweet later on Tuesday afternoon, wrote the following, quote, just updating this, Chase Young has looked pretty phenomenal in minicamp, much better than in practice at the end of last year. And I'd say chances of the commanders considering offers on him aren't what they were pre-draft. Teams can call, but I'd highly doubt he gets moved, end quote. Let me just say this about the commanders potentially trading Chase Young. Them doing so would be the ultimate indictment of his relationship with Ron Rivera. Because A, the team would be trading Chase at his lowest value point and for pennies on the dollar. And B, the team would be trading Chase with Ron going into a season in which he pretty clearly needs to do well or will get fired. So if you're Ron and you're trading Chase for, say, a fourth round pick going into a season in which it is uh, more likely than not win or be fired, what does that say about where you are with Chase Young? But bottom line, <laughs> there is a lot to be thinking about with Chase Young right now. Uh, what I'm going to first do is play for you the entirety of of Chase's post-practice press conference. It was less than four minutes long, uh, featured a lot of short answers, not because Chase was being mean or anything like that. Uh, that's just how Chase answers questions. But uh, rather than go through the presser bit by bit, I think that the best way to do this is to just hear Chase's press conference in its entirety. Here you go. It's
2: night and day. Night and day. Describe why.
1: What do you see the difference? Uh, my confidence,
2: my strength, Everything.
3: What did you do this offseason to really
2: build that strength back up in your life? Um, shit. I mean, everything—explosive work, plyometric, um, shit. Everything you think you can do, to a D, I did it.
4: Is that what you kind of doing the last couple of weeks away from you? Yeah, yeah. And you're up in.
0: Yeah. Chase, uh, obviously, there—you know—with the injuries, up and down—in regards to you trying to get back. Just describe your mentality now to get back on the field and almost, like, prove a lot of people, a lot of doubt, is wrong?
2: Well, I mean, since I came in the game, I, I was I was in the game to prove myself. Um, so I'm not really thinking any different from going out there and playing my game.
5: Ron has talked about kind of
3: how maybe declining that fifth-year option could be a motivation like it was for Jerron last year. Is that something that you can use as motivation?
2: Or? Uh, Yeah, but I, I can use a lot of things as motivation. So uh, all of them, they stuck in my back pocket.
3: Chase, you, you know, you said it's the night
1: and day difference to kind of how you feel. Explain, like, how do you know Chase Young is back? How do you know, like, Chase Young feels like he was, you know, pre-injury? We watched the
2: film from today's
1: practice.
0: <laughs> uh, You've got the uh, the brace. Is that
2: is how that Well, I just know how serious my knee injury was, and I'm just being safe. So you don't think you'd be able to by the time season comes around or what's up? That's on me. At
3: what point did you really
2: start to feel like? I feel like myself today.
3: But like a, during
2: your recovery, uh, I will play in the Like you don't really know until you get on the field. So uh, I feel good today.
3: We talked about like, the leads for better finishing. He's kind of talking about Montez, but also just in general, what makes an elite pass rusher really good at, at finishing? I know it's bringing it down, but what what is, what happens kind of in the
2: steps? Uh, right. I would say your burst. A lot. I feel like uh that's what separates. Right when you beat your man, that burst, to that finish, that burst to the quarterback. So. All right, we just got to work on uh, getting off our man and, f- and finishing, bursting. How
0: much did you pay attention to the ownership situation last week?
2: I mean, I hear about it. I'm just focused on what I got to focus on.
1: It's clear you feed off your, your team. You sing it. You're, just be, you're actually being out there with them today. Just how meaningful and, and important is
2: that for you? I feel good, man. You know, I think my teammates know when I come out on the field, I'm going to bring the juice. something I've always done. Um, so I'm just being me.
3: Chase, as a, a pass rusher, what kind of things do you work on
2: uh, hips, strengthening my hips, just really strengthen my lower body, and you know, obviously technique work.
4: Jesus was being in Colorado related to your contract, though? Just
0: something I said.
2: Nah, I don't even know what that
0: means. <laughs> was there was there a moment today that you can you can remember where it's like, man, I'm 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 back. I'm happy to be back.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I was, I felt pretty explosive out there. So, man, I'm still like. um too months to be report, probably, so it's just keep my head down and just stay grounded. Do you
3: have any lingering issues
2: the I'm good.
5: Did it help just to get, like, the last couple games to kind of get some over that mental
2: game? Yeah, definitely. Uh Going out in the field, just knowing that I can still play, Um, you know, when I was uh, a little more dinged up. Um Yeah, it definitely
5: helped. But going back to that, the were, were you surprised at all that they defined it? Or did it did
2: you uh, no, nah, I mean, I'm just Focus on myself um, and I'm ready to play all
1: right so the theme from Chase Young's post-practice press conference on Tuesday afternoon clearly was that he feels a lot better now as compared to last season uh boy I hope like heck that that's true Uh, We now know that Chase's injured right knee was a lot worse than most people initially thought. He suffered the uh, badly torn right knee in the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field on November 14th, 2021. Uh, He suffered a torn right ACL and MCL. Then Chase, in a post-OTA practice press conference on June 1st, 2022, revealed that a graft From his left patellar tendon had been used for his right knee. And NFL insider Jordan Schultz last August 23rd tweeted that Chase's injured right leg also had included a quote, fully ruptured patella, end quote. Uh, Remember, Chase in the 2022 regular season ended up playing in just three of the commander's 17 games. Uh, He was on the reserveslash physically unable to perform list from August 23rd, 2022 to November 21st, 2022. And then he was inactive for three consecutive games. As you may recall, it took Chase Young forever (laughs) to finally make his season debut last season. And Rod Rivera kept talking about how Chase needed to trust the right knee more. Now, once Chase played last season, I thought that he actually played pretty well. Uh, Chase over his three games, registered an overall grade for pro football focus of 78.4. PFF grades were on a scale of 0 to 100. This was part of why I thought that the Commanders might exercise the fifth-year option in his rookie contract. Uh, Chase, all things considered, looked all right over his three games last season, especially in his first game. Uh, The loss at the San Francisco 49ers last Christmas Eve. Chase, for that game, was the highest-graded Commanders player per PFF. But there's no doubt that Chase Young's overall body work these last two seasons has been really disappointing. And that's not just due to injury. Uh, there very clearly has been a disconnect between Chase Young and Ron Rivera. Now, that said, Ron on Tuesday morning said some good stuff about Chase. Uh, although Ron, again, did emphasize Chase needing to go all out and not be timid with the right knee. This was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on Chase Young.
5: Well, I think the big thing as far as he's concerned more than anything else is just being healthy. You know, he started to get healthier by the end of the year and played for us in, in four games. And we just want to see him pick up where he left off. You know, he was, he was starting to play faster and faster and just love to see him get out there and really run around and, you know, kind of cut it loose and not, not be tentative. And, and that's probably the biggest thing for him.
1: So maybe the biggest question with Chase Young is, is the right knee now 100%? Uh, it has been said that it takes two years to truly come back from a torn knee. Well, this coming season uh, would mark two years since Chase suffered the badly torn right knee. Uh, Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on whether there are any lingering issues for Chase Young with his right knee.
5: Well, we'll find out today. Um, I'm pretty confident, though, because he looked good. He really did. I know the doctors were very all positive about everything he's done. And, um, you know, and, and, and again, I know part of the reasoning, him not being around, is he, he wanted to really focus in on just that specifically. And, you know, he wanted to do that. Um, and again, it, 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 it'll be one of those things that the proof will be in the pudding when we watch him on practice.
1: And as for how the, uh, pudding <laughs> was on Tuesday, uh, well, we earlier this segment heard Chase Young say that he had a good practice, but also the reviews of Chase from at least some of those who watched practice on Tuesday, we're positive. A tweet from Commander's Insider Nikki Zavala of the Washington Post on Tuesday morning, quote, Chase Young looks pretty good, more confident, just dipped under Cornelius Lucas for a would-be sack of Sam Howell, end quote. A tweet from Lake Lewis Jr. of SportsJourney.com on Tuesday afternoon, quote, Chase Young has been disruptive today on the edge. He looks good and showing no signs of rust, end quote. Uh, the Commander's defense last season was very good in being without Chase Young for most of the season. How much better might the defense be this coming season if Chase is back to his 2020 self? Chase Young won Associated Press Defensive Rookie of the Year for the 2020 season. We That season saw him make a number of impact plays. I'll never forget Chase in the win over the 49ers in Arizona in Week 14 of the 2020 season. Uh, what I dubbed as the Chase Young game uh Chase in that game had one of the greatest individual single game defensive performances in Washington history a 47-yard fumble return for a touchdown a forced fumble a sack two quarterback hits and two pass defenses he took over that game that's the Chase Young who was on display not that long ago that's the Chase Young who we would love to see this coming season, and so consider this exchange between Commanders Insider Ben Standig of the Athletic and Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning about Chase Young.
4: This might be a silly question, but is he automatically back in the starting lineup,
3: assuming he is healthy and all that?
5: Absolutely. I mean, again, the, the big thing more than anything else is, you know, this has been a strictly voluntary. And you know, and you don't you don't reward guys and take things away for guys for not being around. Um, these guys are going to get their reps. Uh, one thing we are going to do is we're going to be smart. We're not just going to throw them out there right away just because we don't know you know what speed they've been working at. And that's the thing you have to be careful of because they're going to go from zero to sixty very quickly because they want to get in there. There's going to be a lot of energy. Um, and, and you really do have to be smart. So you, we're not going to come out and, you know, if there's 60 reps, expect them to take, you know, 50 or 40 of them. we got to get them and see where they are.
1: So how about that? Ron Rivera saying that, yeah, Chase Young is still a starter for the Commanders. I have a hard time believing that Ron was not annoyed by Chase not attending the six OTA practices over the previous two weeks, but I find it telling that Ron, first in his pre-OTA practice press conference on May 24th and then in this uh, pre-mandatory minicamp practice press conference on Tuesday morning was in no way confrontational or negative about Chase not attending the OTA practices. Ron wants Chase to have a big 2023 season. Ron, in order to keep his job as commander's head coach, may need Chase to have a big 2023 season. But, you know, Chase needs to have a big 2023 season for himself as well. we now on the Commanders off the start of their three-day mandatory minicamp, which is happening Tuesday through Thursday. Uh, we on Tuesday show, episode 588, got a great breakdown of Commanders quarterback Sam Howell from Pro Football Focus Senior Data Analyst and Commanders fan Nick Ackridge, uh, who wrote an in-depth piece on Sam for PFF.com. Uh, Sam, of course, being positioned to be the team's starting quarterback for this coming season. This was head coach Rod Rivera during his pre-practice press conference on Tuesday morning on How Sam is doing.
5: Well, we really won't get into where they are until next week. Um, But for the most part, um, you know, I check in with with Eric and and, and get his feel for it. And I check in with uh, Tavita and the other coaches and and really get a a feel for them. I talk to the the players as well and see what they're thinking. I mean, you know, this is one of those things that we all got to feel very good and be very comfortable and confident in one another. And um, so asking everybody, you know, what they're seeing, how they're feeling, what do they think? uh, That's important. And and, and and so we've tried to make sure we're getting, um, you know, we're we're getting a lot of perspectives on this.
1: All right. Interesting that Rod Rivera says that he's talking to various people about Sam Howell, including players. Uh, Presumably, Ron is asking, say, receiver Terry McLaurin, uh, maybe tight end Logan Thomas uh, and others about what they're seeing from Sam. I like that. Uh, You know, players shouldn't dictate things, but, you know, players certainly can provide perspectives that coaches cannot. And so to get especially a Terry McLaurin's take on Sam Howell and how Sam is doing, uh, I'm all for that. Uh, Now, as we know, uh, Rod Rivera has been consistent in saying that Sam Howell isn't being handed the starting quarterback job. He has to earn the starting quarterback job. He is in a competition (laughs) with Jacoby Brissett, even though Sam Howell has taken every first team practice rep so far This (laughs) this off season, <laughs> this was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning with a man who is a guest on this podcast on Monday's show, episode 587, Commanders Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post.
4: Do you still consider it a competition between Jacoby and Sam?
5: I do. I, I you know, again, it's one of those things that guys, it's, it's. You know, just because I said he's going to start off as QB1 doesn't mean he's going to finish as QB1. Um, I like to believe, though, that if he goes out and does things he's capable of, he's got a very, very good chance of doing that. Um, I think Jacoby has shown us some things that have really caught people's attention. We talk about Jacoby almost as much as we talk about Sam. So I just think as as we go through this process and, you know, until we play games, it'd be unfair to start making assessments. You know, but again, there is a lot of confidence.
4: Do you anticipate Jacoby taking any first team reps either in minicamp or when we get to training camp?
5: Well, that'll be something that you know that uh that we'll sit down and talk about once we finish up. I know Eric likes what he's seeing right now from both guys and we'll just continue to work.
1: All right, so Rod Rivera once again talking up the quarterback competition. But yeah, the lack of first team reps for Jacoby Brissett is telling. Um, you know, there is what an NFL head coach says, and then there is what actually happens. Follow the actions more than you follow the words. That should always be a mantra, no matter what you're talking about, sports, politics, whatever. Follow the actions more than you follow the words. Uh, there are degrees of competition that there hasn't been a 50-50 split or something close to that of first-team practice reps between Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett tells you all you need to know. About this competition. The starting quarterback job is Sam Howells to lose. Unless he in training camp in the preseason is just awful or he gets hurt, Uh, he will be the commander starting quarterback for week one against the Arizona Cardinals at FedEx Field on September 10th. Uh, And look, I want that, okay? I want Sam Howell to be this team's QB1. I want him to thrive as this team's QB1. Uh, how are Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett getting along? Uh, this was Ron Rivera on Tuesday morning on the interactions between Sam and Jacoby.
5: It's really cool because you you watch the cooperation between the quarterbacks, and, all, and not just those two, but, but all of them. And, and, and you know, Jacoby's, uh, one thing everybody says is, Said about him is this dude's a great teammate, and when you watch him and you watch how he handles his communications with Sam after plays and after certain things happening, and you know there, you could tell that this this is a legit team guy. I mean, he's trying to help. Uh, Sam as much as possible, and then you watch Sam and Sam's as encouraging and and, and, and you know giving praise to, 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 to Jacoby as well as the other guys and, and that you know is what you want. You want a good room where you know there's a lot of cooperation and everybody's pulling for one another, um, and there's not a split dynamic between them. That, that's really been probably the best thing I've seen.
1: Yeah, so the Commanders in March uh, signed Jacoby Brissett as an unrestricted free agent to a one-year, $8 million contract. Uh, Jacoby did a post-practice press conference on Tuesday afternoon. Here he was on if being the Commander's starting quarterback was a goal of his when he signed with the team.
5: Oh, for sure. Uh, I think that, I mean, I wouldn't be brought here if if it was something else, you know, if if I was. And if I thought otherwise, then I'd have a problem, right?
1: Right. Of course. <laughs> uh, so the Commanders this week have this three-day mandatory mini camp, and then there is a singular OTA practice next week. Uh, this Tuesday, June 13th, the Commanders next week will conclude their off-season program with a one-off of an OTA practice. Why this singular OTA practice? Well, uh, our team got docked two OTA practices for this off-season. Uh, it was last June 17th that we learned that the NFL had fined Ron Rivera $100,000 and had stripped the commanders of two OTA practices for the 2023 offseason, Uh, this due to there having been excessive contact during the team's 2022 offseason program. Ron and his commanders were uh, naughty boys last offseason. Here was Ron on Tuesday morning on if he feels like the team is making up for the lost time of the uh, two lost OTA practices.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, in, in in all the years of being, you know, doing what we've done, and, and this goes back to my, my, my previous spot in Carolina, um, you know, for the most part, uh, by the time we get to the 10th OTA or the 10th practice, we have everything installed. Now it's just a matter of going back for those last three mini camp practices and really seeing their retention, seeing how they handle it. Well, by the time we finish, uh, with the mini camps, we should be done with the installation. So what we really lost was just two days of review, from my perspective. That, that's kind of how we see it. Um, but, you know, we've gotten the work that we've wanted out of it and as I've said when I first started um, this, this press conference was that, you know, guys, for the most part, um, we've been able to do the things that we've wanted to do. So losing a couple of days, uh, it might have effect, it might not. Um, and I think if we continue to work hard the way we have, I, we, we shouldn't miss them.
1: Yeah, and so the Commanders this offseason are going to end up having 10 team practices, uh, seven OTA practices, and three mandatory minicamp practices. Uh, there also was a rookie minicamp. Uh, we on Tuesday morning had this exchange between Commanders insider J.P. Findlay of NBC Sports
0: Washington and Ron Rivera. You've been doing this a while. It- you get to the last week of your offseason or you got a little bit next week is there one thing you want to see or a few things that, that you need to see from this team to know that they're they're ready they've gotten what they need done
5: how we handled that last day I mean it's, it's interesting because you know I know a couple of years ago I made a big deal about maturity um And and I still think it's important that that you see certain things that tell you that, that you're heading in the right direction because, you know, there's a certain point where the things that you have to do become a drag. Well, those things that you have to do should become things that you want to do. And once those things become what you want to do, I think then you've, you've matured, you, you've understand that. So we'll see how we handle, you know, next week, we, we have a, a, a our last workout is Tuesday, and we'll see how the players come out and what their focus is like. And, you know, and then to me, the next big thing will be how they come back when we get in uh, in the training camp in, in, in late July.
0: How do you measure that? Is it just getting the work in, camaraderie, or is there something specific you look for? And
5: it's not just getting the work in, but it's the way they work. You know, the, the way they approach it, uh, how they handle it, um, and then how they leave it. And then we'll see when they come back. I mean, again, because I, I really do like these, this group of young guys. We, we've got a, a lot of young players in, in some key spots. And, you know, and one thing we can never, ever feel is like we've made it. And that was always my concern in year two, that we, we, we were premature there. And um, I'm feeling really good about this. But again, uh, and to your question, I'll see how they handle things on Tuesday and we will see how they come back when we're ready to go into uh, July.
1: Well, the issue of maturity. Uh, we are familiar with that, are we not? Uh, Ron Rivera in the 2021 offseason made a big deal about this issue of maturity. And as time went on, it certainly seemed as if Ron was talking quite a bit about the team's top two edge defenders, Chase Young and Montez Sweat, who uh, interestingly had disappointing 2021 seasons. Uh, Now, Montez had a terrific 2022 season. uh, But as we talked about last segment, Chase very much needs to have a terrific 2023 season. Well, the Nationals' bullpen has become a problem. Uh, of that, there is no doubt. And we, on Tuesday night, got more proof of this. A 10-5 loss to the Arizona Diamondbacks at Nationals Park in Game 1 of a three-game series. And in a game in which the Nats blew a 4-1 fourth inning lead. Uh, the Nats now have lost six of their last eight games and now are 25-35. and uh, That is the second-worst record in the National League. The Diamondbacks now are alone in first in the National League West. Uh, We on Tuesday night saw four Nats pitchers combined to issue eight walks, five of which came from the bullpen. Uh, Three Nats relievers combined to allow six runs, five earned in five innings on seven hits, five walks, a hit by pitch and a balk. Uh, the culprits were Rosmo Ramirez and Chad Kuhl. Uh Rosmo Ramirez officially allowed two runs in two-thirds of an inning. He faced six banners, but got just two outs. Uh, he threw 16 pitches, eight strikes versus eight balls. He came into the game in the top of the fifth with a runner on first, no outs, and the Nats holding a 4-3 lead. He then issued a hit-by-pitch, then committed a balk, then issued a walk, and then gave up two RBI sacrifice flies and two singles. Uh, Arasmo was not good. You know, Arasmo for the 2022 regular season was very good: 60 games, 86 and a third innings, and in ERA at 2.92. But Arasmo now in this regular season: 23 games, 27 innings, and in ERA of six. 6- 33. Nats manager, Davey Martinez, during his post game press conference on Tuesday night on what's going wrong for Rasmo Ramirez. And then you'll hear a follow up exchange with Nats insider, Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post.
3: Yeah, he's, he's in a funk. He's in a funk. I mean, I, th- I think it's mechanical. You know, we're trying to figure some things out. Um, he's flying open. You know, he it can't, can't control his fastball or his cutter, um, so we got to get him. We got to get him back, and, and he's, a, he's a he's a big piece of, of our bullpen, especially you know in, the, in that fifth and sixth inning. We got to find a guy to, you know, a couple guys to bridge that gap to get to the guys in the back. What almost hits back-to-back batters and then as a boss do you think he's maybe just thinking a lot on the mound like is this something just kind of just off like you said yeah i think he's just you know he's, like i said he's he's he, i mean he, look erasmo he's going to give you everything he's got and he's trying now he's trying really hard right now so we just got to get him to calm down and i think think so much up there and just get him get him back in a good direction and uh he's a guy you know he's a, in that situation we count on him to throw strikes get the ball down and get ground balls you um, and like I said when you know when when you hit the guy and then, and then the ball, um, he's just overthinking things
1: so Erasmo Ramirez on Tuesday night was bad and then we had Chad cool uh, he on Tuesday night allowed four runs three earned in two and a third innings he threw 54 pitches 27 strikes versus 27 balls so note erasmo Ramirez and Chad cool on Tuesday night combined for 70 pitches. The exact same number of strikes versus balls. 35 strikes versus 35 balls. That's not how that's supposed to go. Cool uh, in the top of the sixth allowed two runs, one earned on a fielding error by shortstop CJ Abrams, two walks into one out bases loaded, two run single by Josh Rojas through the right side of the infield for an 8 5 Diamondbacks lead, despite him having been down at the count at 1.12. And Cool in the top of the seventh gave up a two run opposite field home run by Paven Smith. To left center field for a 10-5 Diamondbacks lead. Uh Thaddeus Ward was good. He tossed two scoreless innings with three strikeouts, but Orasmo Ramirez and Chad Cool were not good. And the collapse of this Nats bullpen continues. It earlier this season had been doing all right. Uh, not no more. The Nats now, for this regular season, have a relief pitching ERA of 483 and a relief pitching whip of 146. Those numbers are brutal. And there just doesn't seem to be much help that could be coming. Uh, The Nats on Tuesday designated reliever Andres Machado for assignment and recalled reliever Jordan Weems from AAA Rochester. Okay, Uh, the Nats do have veteran reliever Sean Doolittle pitching in the minors in his comeback from a left elbow injury. But, you know, he on Tuesday night gave up a two run homer in pitching for AA Harrisburg Uh, reliever Victor Urano has been on the 60-day injured list since March 30th, uh, what was opening day of this due to a right shoulder strain. And Davey Martinez in a pregame press conference on Tuesday afternoon revealed that Arano needs right shoulder surgery. Uh, The Nats do have their closer from last season, Tanner Rainey, on the 60-day injured list. Uh, due to Tommy John surgery that he underwent last August 3rd. So maybe he can help at some point this season. But yeah, things with the Nats bullpen, not so good right now. And those things are made even worse when the Nats starting pitcher struggles. Uh, Jake Irvin was the Nats' starting pitcher on Tuesday night. He struggled again. Uh, Irvin allowed four runs in four innings. He gave up five hits, all of which were singles. He issued three walks and a hit-by-pitch. He recorded just one strikeout, although he did actually throw a good number of strikes, 83 pitches, 59 strikes, versus just 24 balls. Uh, Irvin, in the top of the first, allowed a run on two singles and a walk. Irvin in the top of the fourth allowed two runs on three singles and a throwing error that he committed uh, as uh, Irvin on a leadoff bunt single by Josh Rojas toward first base committed a throwing error. And uh, Irvin, in what ended up being a three-run Diamondbacks fifth, issued a leadoff hit by pitch of Corbin Carroll, and then got pulled from the game. Uh, The Nats on May 3rd recalled Jake Irvin from AAA Rochester. He now, in this 2023 regular season at the Major League level, has made seven starts. His ERA is 6'10". His whip is one hundred sixty-eight. Uh, Irvin in a five-one win at the San Francisco Giants on May eighth, in just his second major league regular season start, was terrific. He in fact became just the second that starting pitcher to pitch into the seventh inning of a game in this regular season. He tossed six and a third scoreless innings with five strikeouts, but Irvin uh, since then has not been good. Uh, the Nats in this 10-5 loss to the Diamondbacks on Tuesday night did hit two home runs, uh, but did very little offensively beyond the homers, uh, which did include a grand slam. Uh, the former Diamondback, in fact, Stone Garrett, uh, he is an Nats' starting left fielder and number five batter, went one for two with the one being a grand slam. Uh, Garrett in an Nats' four-run first, a one-out grand slam to left field on a one-two pitch. For a four-one Nats lead, uh, the grand slam came off the Diamondbacks' starting pitcher Tommy Henry, a lefty. Uh, Stone Garrett is doing quite well against lefties. He in this regular season has an OPS of eight twenty against lefties. Uh, also, Lane Thomas homered. Uh, he on Tuesday night as an Nats starting right fielder and number one batter went two for four with a solo homer, a single, a stolen base, and two strikeouts. Uh, Thomas. In the Nats one run fifth, a leadoff homer to left field to cut the Nats deficit to 6 5. Uh, this was some homer. Uh, the homer went a projected 428 feet for StatCast. Uh, also, Thomas in that Nats four run first, a leadoff full count single into left center field. Uh, and he stole third base. But the Nats did not do much else offensively. Uh, they, for the game total, just seven hits, did have three walks. So the Nats' only other extra base hit was a double by K-Bit Ruiz. Uh, he is an Nats starting catcher and number six batter went one for four. Uh, Ruiz in the bottom of the fourth, a leadoff double off the glove of Diamondbacks, third baseman Josh Rojas, and into left field. This was Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Tuesday night on what went wrong for the Nats in this loss to the Diamondbacks.
3: I remember walk, walking too many guys, hating batters, falling behind, you know, pitching 2 0, 1 0, 3 1. You're not going to win very many games like that. So we got to clean that up. Got to play defense again right we got to play defense that's that, that's we were doing that so well so we got to catch the ball and we got to limit our walks i mean we come out swinging the bats um, you know big big home run by, by garrett and then uh, like i said you know we got you know we scored runs like that earlier we got we, we got a chance to knock the starter out we got have better at bats after that uh, but the walks the walks the walks going to kill us every time so we we got to start pounding our strikes on again
1: yes you do Uh, Another problem for the Nats on Tuesday night, by the way, too many stolen bases allowed. Uh, The Diamondbacks went four for five on stolen bases. Uh, Game two for the Nats against the Diamondbacks. Wednesday night at 7.05, Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher. Well, a tough loss for the Orioles on Tuesday night, a 4-3, 10-inning loss at the Milwaukee Brewers in game one of a three-game series. And in a game in which the O's blew a 3-2, eighth-inning lead, uh, the O's fell to 37-23, third-best record in both the American League and the Majors. So the Brewers are back to being atop the National League Central. Uh, Reliever Austin Voth in the bottom of the 10th, gave up a two-out walk-off RBI single by the Brewers' number nine batter, Joey Weimer. Uh, off the left field warning track on a 1-2 pitch. Uh, reliever Yanir Cano allowed a run in one and a third inning. He in the bottom of the eighth allowed a run to tie the game at three. But pitching was not the Orioles' problem in this game. Uh, closer Felix Batista tossed a perfect bottom of the ninth with three swinging strikeouts. Uh, this was O's manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame session with reporters on Tuesday night on if he was tempted to bring Batista back out for the bottom of the tenth as opposed to going to Austin Voth.
4: If we scored there, I was bringing them back out there. Um, if we scored one, I
5: was going to send them back out. But with a tie game there, um, you know, I just went, didn't want to chase a win on the road in an extra any game like that with Batiste and lose him for a couple days. So if we score, I was going to send them back out. Tough decision, um, but not,
1: you know, both did a great job till we hung that breaking ball there at the end. Yeah, I did not have a problem with Brandon Hyde not bringing Felix Batista back out for the bottom of the 10th. But like I said, pitching wasn't really the issue for the O's in this loss. Uh, Kyle Gibson was the Orioles' starting pitcher on Tuesday night. He allowed two runs in five innings with seven strikeouts. Uh, He allowed two runs in the bottom of the first, but then tossed four scoreless innings. Now, yes, you would have liked for him to have lasted for more than five innings. Uh, He, over the five innings, threw 96 pitches, 58 strikes. Versus 38 balls. They gave up five hits, uh, three of which were extra base hits. They gave up a triple, two doubles, and two singles. He issued two walks and a hit by pitch. Gibson wasn't great, but two runs in five innings with seven strikeouts, especially by today's standards for starting pitching, is pretty good. Uh, The O's on Tuesday night scored just three runs in 10 innings. That's why the O's lost this game. Uh, The O's totaled just three runs, just eight hits, and just one walk. uh, Went just one for seven with runners in scoring position, although four of the Orioles' eight hits were extra base hits, two home runs, and two doubles. And how about from whom the uh, Orioles' homers came? Aaron Hicks and Ryan O'Hearn. Uh, Aaron Hicks, as the Orioles' starting center fielder and number 5 batter, won for four with a two-run homer. Uh, he, in an Orioles' two-run second, smashed a two-run homer to right field on a 1-2 pitch to tie the game at two. Uh, it was the previous Tuesday, May 30th, that the O's as the corresponding roster move to placing center fielder Cedric Mullins on the 10-day injured list with a right groin strain signed Hicks to a major league contract off the New York Yankees on May 26, having released Hicks. ...of having designated him for assignment. Uh, this season is Hicks's age 33 season, and he's so far for the O's, is doing a nice job. Six for 15 with a homer, a triple, and three walks. Uh, and then Ryan O'Hearn, he is the Orioles starting DH and number eight batter, went two for four with a solo homer and a single... Uh, O'Hearn in an Orioles one-run seventh, a one-out tie-breaking opposite field solo homer to left field for a 3-2 Orioles lead. Uh, the O's past January purchased O'Hearn from the Kansas City Royals. Uh, this season is his age 29 season. And Ryan O'Hearn in this regular season, 58 plate appearances, an OPS of 9-11. Uh, he has been really good. Game two for the O's at the Brewers Wednesday night at 740. Dean Kramer will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday's show, episode 590, will provide you with more on the Commanders as Wednesday is day two of the team's three-day mandatory minicamp. Also, I'll talk Nationals and Orioles. And that's on Wednesday night at 7.05 of Game 2 of a three-game series against the Arizona Diamondbacks at Nationals Park. The O's on Wednesday night at 7.40 of Game 2 of a three-game series at the Milwaukee Brewers have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday.
4: Do you still consider it a competition between Jacoby and Sam? I do. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,